And now, a message from Pastor Josh Carmody. But uh, this morning, we're going to jump in uh, to Galatians. We've been talking the last few weeks uh, about this idea of one gospel. Everybody say, one gospel. And uh, one gospel that, 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 that we preach, that Paul was preaching, that he was writing about, that we're talking about. And uh, that one gospel is this. It's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Check it out. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that, one, so that no one can boast. And so we have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, through a belief in Jesus Christ. And there's nothing that we can do to earn it. There's nothing that we can do to deserve it. We just simply receive that grace and believe in Jesus Christ and we're saved. Amen? So that's the one uh, gospel that Paul is preaching to the churches in Galatia. And they were having some issues. They were, not only that was part of their salvation, but then they would always add something to it. And that not only would you have to believe in Jesus, but then you'd have to do something else. And believe in Jesus and do something else. And Paul's saying, no, there's one gospel. That is, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's a gift. It's, it's freely given. All you have to do is believe and receive it. You don't have to do you don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be anything other than saying, Jesus, I recognize that you are the Lord of my life. I need you as Savior. I need you in my life. And so there's just that recognition. And so that's what Paul is talking about to the churches um, of Galatia. And, and last week we kind of dived into the part of Galatians chapter two where he actually has to confront uh Peter. You guys remember that? We talked about that a little bit last week, that he actually had to confront Peter. One of the, one of the disciples that actually walked and talked with Jesus, he had to confront him on some issues that, that was going on because Peter was acting like a hypocrite and he was making some poor choices. And so Paul had to call him out on a few things. And so last week we talked about how to handle conflict and how to talk about uh, when there's something that needs to be said to someone, what's the proper way of going about those things. We talked about that a little bit last week, and we also talked about how Jesus makes us righteous and not our righteous living. Um, that it's not up to us to be righteous. That you and I are not perfect, but it's and we cannot do anything to be made into right standing with God. It's Jesus Christ who does that for us. Um, and so we, yeah, we do our best and we strive for excellence and we want to live our lives without sin. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. We do our very best, but it's not up to us to be made right with God. Jesus Christ does that for us. And so these are kind of the things that Paul has been talking about in these scriptures. And uh, today we're going to start in Galatians chapter 2, verses 17 through 21. But before we jump into that, I have a deal with you guys this morning. You ready for this deal? Oh, wow. Okay, so here's my deal for you this morning. Uh, the better you respond, the quicker I preach. That was insincere, but I'll take it. All right? So, uh, so let's check out uh, Galatians chapter 2, verses 17 through 21. It says, If we, the same people who are searching for God's approval in Christ, are still sinners, does that mean that Christ encourages us to sin? Well, that's unthinkable. Verse 18 says, Thank you, Doug. I appreciate it. If I rebuild something that I've torn down, I admit uh, that I was wrong to tear it down. When I tried to obey the law's standards, those laws killed me. And as a result, I live in a relationship 
with God. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by believing in God's Son who loved me and took the punishment for my sins. I don't reject God's kindness. If we receive God's approval by obeying laws, then Christ's death was pointless. All right, so this is our scripture for today, Galatians 2, 17 through 21. And so, uh, really, there are some who disagreed with this idea of this gospel of grace that said, well, does this mean that Jesus will forgive me of all that I have done, that there's grace to forgive me, that even though I've done these things, you're saying that I can sin and God still loves me, he still forgives me, he absolutely loves me, that's un thinkable to me. There are some that say that doesn't make any sense because if you get rid of the law, remember the Jewish people would had 613 laws that they obeyed and they said if you get rid of those laws then how are you going to control people? How are you going to control their behavior? What, what's going to keep them from just doing whatever they want? And, 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 and so that's the thought is that if they're not under the law then they'll freely sin. If you don't give them over 600 rules to follow, then obviously throughout the course of the day, they're going to mess up and make mistakes and everything's just going to go haywire. Like we can't have that. We need structure. We need laws. We need order. We need rules. We need, like my clapping, right? We, I'm secretly trying to keep you awake. You know, we need order, right? And so like if, if we're talking about grace, and that we don't earn it or deserve it, and that we can just believe in Jesus Christ because he loves us, and then he's going to forgive us. Well, how am I going to control people? And so they're getting, they're, they're getting a little distraught with this. And they're like, we need control. We need to be able to take care of this. If they, they thought that if people believe in Christ, but then live as they wanted, that their sinful actions would make Christ an encourager of sin. So they're saying, like, if you believe in Christ and put your faith in him and live as you want, if you don't follow these rules, these hundreds of laws, then when you do sin, because we all know that we are not perfect, so when we do sin, we do mess up, when we do make a mistake, basically they're saying, well, then Christ is an encourager of sin. He must promote it because he's getting rid of all of these other rules and laws, but yet here they are still sinning. So Christ must encourage this. And Paul says, no, stop. That's unthinkable, right? There's no way, let me say it right now, just so we're all clear and on the same page. There's no way that Jesus Christ encourages or promotes us to sin, right? He's not saying that at all. He's not saying that grace is a license to just do whatever we want. That says, well, I know that God will forgive me, so I might as well just go ahead and sin anyway. So that's, just, that's like a premeditated decision to do bad things. I feel like that's not good. Anybody with me on that one? Now, as I live and I go throughout my day, there will be times when I make mistakes. But I don't start out my day saying, I think around 2 o'clock. I'm going to make a poor choice. What you said. I don't know what you said back there, but I don't think I want to know. I, I'm going to make a poor, right? I don't, I don't go through and just say, well, better plan out all the wrong choices I'm going to make. Anybody ever do that? No. 
right? Of course not. We, we make plenty of mistakes without planning out the mistakes that we're going to make, right? And, and so it's not a, a license to sin. It's not a license to do, disobey. It's not just to go out and say, hey, I get to do whatever I want to do whenever I want because there's grace. And I know I'm forgiven. Yeah, there's grace and we know we're forgiven. So that should compel us to live differently. That should compel us that says, man, because his grace is there, because he has set me free, because he's given me a new life and he's changed me from the inside out, then I want to do all that I can each and every day to live my best life for Jesus Christ. I know I'm not perfect, but I know that he loves me anyway. And so I thank him for that and I'm going to live my life for him. Look at what Romans 6 says, verses 1 to 2 and 9 through 11. It says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? This is Paul talking again. He says, of course not. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Man, that is good news. So I'm going to ask you a question. Can you sin and be forgiven? Can you make mistakes and be forgiven? Yes, absolutely. But what does Christ want for us? Does he expect us to be perfect? Does he expect us to never sin again? No, we just said you can sin and be forgiven. So what does Christ want for us? This last little bit. Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive in Christ. So you consider yourself dead to sin. Dead to those wrong choices and attitudes and thoughts and behaviors and thinking. Dead to those things and alive in Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean we're not ever going to mess up, that we're not ever going to make a mistake, but we consider ourselves dead to sin. That's not where we find our joy. That's not anything that we want to do. We consider that life gone. It is old. We are alive in Jesus Christ. And as we've learned and as we've talked about, we are in the process. We are being transformed by the renewing of our mind. So you and I, we are works in progress. You and I, we're not finished yet. We're not, are we farther than where we were? You betcha. Thank God we're no longer where we were. Are we where we need to be yet? Maybe not, but are we working that way? Are we heading that direction? Then that's what we focus on. That's what we move towards. Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive in Jesus Christ. And Paul talks in here, he continues on and he says he refuses to rebuild. Um, he, he said this, um, he says, if I rebuild something that I've torn down, I admit that I was wrong to tear it down. So Paul, he literally, and I want us to get this this morning, dead to sin, alive to Jesus Christ. He's saying, I don't want to rebuild. I don't want to go back to subjecting myself to the law. I don't want to go back to what I used to think about my relationship with God. I know that I have been forgiven. He said, if I tore that down, he tore that down. He said, I'm no longer under the law. He said, but if I were to rebuild that, if I were to take that back, if I were to go back to that and pick those laws up, he said, it'd be like I was rebuilding that and then I would have been wrong to tear it down in the first place. He's saying, I should not go back. 
He's saying what's important is that Christ has set me free. I am dead to that old way of thinking. Whatever I believed about God, whatever I believed about myself, whatever I believed about any of that, listen, that is in the past. That's in the past. Why pick it up again? By picking it up again and rebuilding it, you're saying I never should have tore it down to begin with. So take this new life. You're dead to sin and alive in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I don't know about you, but those old thoughts can come back. Old habits or old ways of thinking or old ways of what I believe about God or what I believe about myself. Those things can kind of try to come back and I can find myself rebuilding what has already been destroyed. And it's like, why am I doing that? I consider myself dead to those things and alive in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Verses 19 and 20. I'm moving along pretty quick, just so you know. You guys are doing good. I appreciate it. Verses 19 and 20, Paul is, is teaching. He's talking about the transformation that occurs in those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. He's saying, I'm not going back. I'm not rebuilding. I'm, not, I'm dead to those things. I'm alive in Jesus Christ. I'm dead to those things. And then he goes on and he talks about how our lives are transformed. That when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that our lives are transformed from the inside out. He talks about how through the law, he died to the law. We all know the scripture, for the wages of sin is death. So you have 613 laws. The way of the law is you're going to break a bunch of them every single day. And, the way, and what's that going to lead to? It's going to lead to death. And so he found out real quick, he's like following all these rules and trying to, to make myself conform to these. I'm, I'm messing up, I'm making mistakes, and the way of that is death. And so he says that through the law, he died to the law. He saw that the penalty for failing to live up to the law was death. That's what he saw. He saw there's no I mean, I can have all this right living and I can follow everything to the last little bit and I can be perfect and I can look at these and I can just be like, hey, look at me. I obey all of these things all the time. Look at me. I'm a great Pharisee. I'm a great Jewish person. Look at me. I am awesome. I do everything right. It's this word called self-righteous. I mean, we never get like that, so we have no idea what that word even means. But... That was Paul. That's what he hung his hat on. I mean, that's what he went to school for. That's what he was trained in. That's what he lived his life for was to carry out the law to perfection. And even Paul said, hey, this leads to death. This leads to death. This leads to a dead end. And so this drove him instead to rely on Jesus to save him. And the result of that is that he's no longer under the jurisdiction of the law. It's powerless. Why? Because he's in, he is alive in Christ because of a relationship. He's alive in Christ because of a relationship. Verse 19, when I tried to obey the law's standards, those laws killed me. As a result, I like this, as a result, it drove him to Christ. I live in a relationship with God. I live in a relationship with God with God. You've probably heard it said, maybe you haven't, but listen, Christianity is not about a religion, it's about a relationship. Amen. It's not about do's and don'ts. I mean, think about it. 
my relationship with my wife, or maybe your relationship with a best friend, or a relationship with a parent, or a relationship with a son, or a daughter, or a granddaughter, or a nephew, or, ne- or whatever, when it comes to relationships, is it all about obeying these rules and doing it, or is it about the relationship? Is it about doing everything that you can to show love and honor to another individual? Is it about with my kids, I would do anything for my kids. I would do anything for my No one has to tell me that you need to do this, and you need to do that, and you need to do this and obey. No, I just simply love them. And out of that heart of love, I want to put them first. Out of that heart of love, I want to see them succeed. And I want to see them excel. And I want to have that relationship with them to be right and to be full of love. And our relationship, our Faith in Jesus Christ is the same thing. We should have a relationship with him. Not a set of do's and don'ts, not a set of rights and wrongs, but man, I am so madly in love with him because of the love that he first showed me. He first showed me love, and because of that, I have the ability to love him and to love others, and that's what Christianity is based on, a relationship. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. We say, well, I don't know. If I mess up, he might love me less. No. Well, but if I do really good, he might love me more. No. Like, no. We have to understand, it has very little to do with us. Very little. Which is good news, by the way. We have been saved by grace. Through faith, we have been saved. Amen? By grace, we have been saved through faith. It is a gift from God so that none of us can boast about how good we've been about how awesome we are. I did this to deserve God's love. You did nothing to deserve nothing. You are just loved because he created you. Same thing for me. Paul's saying I'm alive in Christ because of a relationship. Look at Romans 8. It says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Amen? That is good news. There is no condemnation. Someone here say no condemnation. No. So does that mean there's condemnation? No. Oh, does it mean there's no condemnation? No. Okay. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. We are not condemned. We are loved. We are not condemned. We are loved. We are not condemned. We are loved. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit, the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Amen? Amen. Paul goes on to say that I died to the law because I was crucified with Christ. You guys know that scripture. I'm sure you've heard it maybe once or twice. Maybe you haven't. been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live, I live for God. Amen? And so this is what Paul is talking about. He lives for God because Christ lives in him. You and I, we are united. We're united with Jesus Christ in his death and burial and resurrection. Paul's saying, listen, I was crucified with with Christ. So when Jesus Christ, he said, what's he saying? He's saying when Jesus Christ died on that cross, when he was beaten, when he was punished, when he was suffered, when he died on that cross, I was on that cross with him. You were on that cross with him. Well, what do you mean, Josh? The sins. He became sin. Jesus Christ, he who knew no sin, became sin. 
He became sin so that we could be free, so that we could be made whole, so that we could no longer be slaves to the power of sin. Just like the scripture said that we have been freed. The, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Why is that possible? Because of the crucifixion. Because Jesus Christ willingly laid down his life and became sin for us. Look at Colossians chapter 2. It says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. And I like this, verse 14. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. So we identify with the crucifixion, with the death and the burial. And then we all know what happens three days later, the resurrection. We identify with the death and burial and resurrection. What do you mean, Josh? What I mean is that we were crucified. Our old man is gone, died with Jesus Christ. He took that sin upon himself. And then it says that we were buried with him. That old man, man, I got good news for us this morning. That old man is dead and buried. Or woman. Dead and buried. I mean, six feet under, buried. Dead and buried. Don't go back and try to dig it up again. Oh, I miss that old life. Really? I mean, what on earth do you miss about it? It's dead and buried and it stinks be done with it you have been crucified with christ you died and were buried and then you came back out of that grave that old man's still down there you came out a new man you came out a new woman you've been given a new heart your mind is being transformed amen our lives are being transformed you came out something totally different people didn't even recognize you alive in Christ. We've been given a new lease on life. We've been given another chance. I like this scripture, the record. He canceled the record of the charges against you. Clean slate. Well, that's good news. Clean. Listen, new man. We are alive in Christ. That old man is dead and buried. Get it in your head. He's six feet under, gone, dead, old. Don't go back to it. You're a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. 
A new life has begun in all of us, and our lives are fundamentally different with Christ. Did you pick that up in this verse? It said, He died for everyone so that those who received His new life will no longer live for themselves. That's different. What does most of the world do? Live for themselves. Me, me, me. Get more. Have more. Buy more. Do more. Achieve more. Succeed more. More, more, more. Give me more. Give me more. Give me. Does that sound familiar? I mean, it's not in any of the media. It's not in any of the advertising. We don't see it glorified in TV and, and movies. And Right? You guys have no idea what I'm talking about. More! This is the culture of more. This, however, says that when we receive a new life in Christ, that we no longer live for ourselves. What? That means we live for others, just like Christ showed us. That he came not to be served, but to serve. Right? To serve us by offering his life as a ransom for all of us, to save us, to set us free. He came to serve us. And then it goes on, and it says, we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. So instead of seeing, we talked about this a few weeks ago, instead of seeing others, because remember, Paul's right in the middle. He's still chewing Peter out. He's still letting Peter know, like, you're messing up. You were eating with the Gentiles, and now when your Jewish friends are around, you stopped eating with them. He's letting them know right here again. He's saying, listen, you no longer live for yourself. You live for those Gentiles. He said, we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Humans see the outward. God sees the inward. He looks at the heart. And so Paul is still ripping into Peter and letting him know, hey, uh, you're still messing up. You're looking at the outward. You're, you're looking at things from a human point of view instead of God's point of view. And this means anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Our lives are fundamentally different with Christ. Amen? In the last verse 21, if you and I, Paul talks um, in this scripture about obeying the law. And here's the thing. If you and I could be right with God by obeying the law, then why would he send his son to suffer and die on a cross? The very reason that Christ died on the cross to pay for sin was because the law could not remove sin or impart righteousness into our lives. Grace provides what the law was powerless to provide, and that's righteousness. Grace provides what the law was powerless to provide. Grace is, when, is unmerited favor. It's when we get what we don't deserve. We deserved the wages of sin is death. We deserve death. What did we get instead? We got a new life in Jesus Christ. The law was powerless to give us that righteousness. The law was powerless to set us free. So Jesus Christ came, gave us grace, and through faith we believe in him and have been set free. Look at what Titus 3 says. But when our Savior, when God, our Savior, revealed His kindness and love, He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And because of His grace, He made us right in His sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Man, that's a good scripture. His grace, His grace made us righteous, and we are confident that we will inherit eternal life. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that can- For more information on New Covenant, contact us at 3318 Fifth Avenue South, Fort Dodge, Iowa, 50501. Or you can call us at 515 955 
6222.